Welcome to the If I Had More Time podcast at Mariner's Church. This podcast series invites you into a casual conversation with our senior pastor, Eric Geiger, and our teaching team to hear a few helpful insights and truths they wish they had time to include in the weekend message. Be sure that you have listened to this weekend's message prior to listening to the podcast so you get the most out of our current series. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the If I Had More Time podcast. We are on week one of our new series, I Need a Miracle. I'm here with Steve Bang Lee, who has our multiplication pastor, and Eric, our senior pastor, who just delivered the online message for week one, which is He Heals and Reverses. It's out of Matthew chapter nine. It is such a great message, you guys. I hope that all of you are able to tune in and listen or join us at one of our congregations. Um, you go through a passage in Matthew chapter nine that hits on multiple miracles, yeah. just in one, just a couple verses yes. right there, and um, it's it's just I feel like such a big entrance into this series. It it, it has me so excited. Uh, us as pastors, as people on our staff, I mentioned even last week in the podcast that we get to do something called story time here, where we get together and we hear what God's doing across our church. We get to be up close and personal to some miracles that happen yep. in our church often. We do. So um, I fear that even for myself, I'm coming into this series and I've, I've taken for granted even the fact that he is doing miracles in my midst. Steve Bangley over here just shared about a couple at, at an elder gathering that we had. Uh, would you mind sharing with our listeners just some of the things that we've seen God do, some of these miracles? Yeah. And in recent days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Stories of infertility. Right. Those who couldn't have a baby. We look back at the timeline. They were prayed over. They're bringing, bringing back their child now to the elder room saying, hey, here's the baby. You pray for this. God did it. Stories of healing medical stories where doctors are confounded. We don't know what happened. My own dad and his cancer journey um, in the church praying yeah. over my dad. Thanks to your leadership. Um, we've seen it and we're seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, so with that passage we just read, there's four miracles. They're told in rapid fire, and Matthew and his Gospels emphasizing that Jesus is king, and so he's king over all of these things. He's king over suffering, over sickness, over death, over evil, and they're, that's just one day in the life of Jesus. Boom, 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 boom. Productive day. It's very, very productive day. And we see those types of miracles still happening today. That's right. uh, now, they don't always happen, and... And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of this podcast because I don't want people to feel as if if they're not happening to me, does that mean that I don't have enough faith or that something's lacking me? It does not. It does not mean that. There's yeah. times that Jesus chooses to move and there's times he chooses not to move. That's right. The emphasis of the passage that we are looking at, that we just looked at this weekend, is that he does have the power to do the miraculous, that he is king over all of the natural order of things, and he can supernaturally intervene. Yeah. Preach it. Yeah, that's right. You you just mentioned our faith, and you talk about this a bit in the message as well. When we talk about miracles, and we even look at these miracles of Jesus, sometimes in the passage it's even included. It it relates to the faith of the person or the community of people around them. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. What are we supposed to do with that? Like. My question is, how involved is our faith in the miracles that God does? It's a great question, and the answer might frustrate you. It seems like it depends. There's moments in the Scripture, the Scripture we just read, 
every one of those cases, there was faith involved. The, the two blind men had the faith to, to call him son of David. The, the woman had faith to reach out and touch his robe. Um, the family of the demon-possessed man, they had faith that Jesus had the power. In, in that passage, there's definitely a combination of the power and compassion of Jesus and the faith of the person. But there's other times where it doesn't seem like it's dependent upon the faith. It's just dependent upon Jesus. So he uses faith, yeah. yet at the same time, it's a paradox. It's not a contradiction. He uses faith, yet at the same time, he is the king who can do whatever he desires to do. There, I just got back from Egypt, and in Egypt and South Asia, the previous two global trips that I've been on visiting partners from our church, there are miracles happening in abundance in those both of those locations, South Asia and Egypt. And sometimes the miracles are happening among people who are not believers, who yet don't have faith in Jesus, but the miracle is causing them to then want to hear about Jesus. So before they even have their own faith, before they even have sometimes that's the faith crazy. might be an agent that God uses to produce the miracle. Right. Other times, though, it's the miracle that God uses to produce the faith. That is a great way to put it. Sometimes faith is the agent that God uses to produce the miracle. Sometimes God will produce a miracle so that faith is the result. He's the, he's the king over it all. He does how he wants to do. The emphasis of this passage is he can. He can reverse the irreversible. That's good news. This is good news. Good news. You mentioned in this sermon, you talked about this illustration with naturalism and supernaturalism, this belief in, in the supernatural, or do we just believe in what the eye can see, what's right here, or the matters that are, are very physical? Um, what about, you know, we, we would be supernaturalists. You, you can't, we've, we've had this discussion yeah. before. You can't be a Christian without it. <laughs> All, if, if you're a thinking Christian, you'd be like, I'm a supernatural. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I am. Yeah. I, be, I believe in a supernatural God who intervenes. Yeah, absolutely. Within this, this camp of the supernaturalists, being Christians, there are then expressions mm -hmm. of gifts of the Spirit. Right. You know, are miracles still happening? Can they still happen? Should they still happen? Those right. kinds of things. Talk to us a little bit about that. Great. Okay. So if I had more time, <laughs> this this pro this next bit, however long this goes, will will be um, theological and will probably help set up really the, the whole the whole teaching series. If you picked up a systematic theology textbook, so theology is thinking about God. Systematic means a systematic unpacking of doctrines about God. If you picked up a systematic theology textbook, this is going to be written from one of two viewpoints. And the two viewpoints are what's called cessationism, being a cessationist, or being a continuist. And here's how I always want us to act as pastors, but also I hope people in our church act this way. We never want to set up a straw man argument of the other viewpoint and say things about them that aren't true right. or set them up as idiots or speak disrespectfully of another viewpoint. But understand that, that there are good, godly people who have different interpretations and different viewpoints. So I want to represent both viewpoints and then tell you where Mariners is and 
how that will impact this teaching series. Okay, so a cessationist viewpoint is someone who believes that the sign gifts, so that would be gifts of healing, gifts of speaking in tongues, prophecy, the sign gifts, that those have ceased, that those existed when the gospel went to new groups of people. So the gospel first went to the Samaritans, there was speaking in tongues, the gospel first went to the Gentiles, there was miraculous things that took place. But now that the gospel has broken those barriers, and because the scripture is complete and the declared gospel is complete, those miracles today, now these, they still, the cessationist still believes, is still a supernaturalist who believes in the resurrection of Jesus, yep. who believes in salvation. I mean, these are awesome, godly people. Yes. Who, but they believe that miracles through healing, through speaking in tongues, those types of, those sign gifts, they have ceased because they're no longer necessary because we have a completed word. We have the word is now complete, right? Yeah. A continuous believes that, no, that those those gifts continue, that they haven't ceased. And, and really, there's a lot of verses that both groups would look at, but let me just read you one passage of scripture and tell you how a cessationist would view that and how a continuous would view that. And then, drum roll, da, 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 tell you where Mariner's is. Okay. So the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, for, um, oh, I'm sorry, let me, 1 Corinthians 13, let me start in verse 8. This is a 1 Corinthians 13. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. That's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 through 10. Okay, a cessationist reads that as the perfect has now come. We have the completed message of Jesus, the birth, death, birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus, or some cessationists view the word is now complete. The canon of scripture is complete. The 66 books are finalized. We have a completed faith delivered once and for all to the saints. And so now those prophetic words and healings and signs are ceased. They're done. Because those miracles were necessary to authenticate the truth, the word, right up to that point. But yes. now that it's here, no longer necessary. Yes. So a cessationist reads that verse. So a cessationist, high view of scripture, reads yes. the verse that That's way. That's what I was just about to say. I have a mad respect for that. Totally. And they have a reverence for God's word. Yes. They believe the, the word is so, is so complete, so full. Boom. We needed these prophetic things before, but now we don't. A continuous believes the passage too, loves that passage, but believes that those will end when the perfect comes, and that is when Christ returns. That the the perfect is in reference to Jesus appearing a second time, and we will not need these gifts in heaven. We will need the gift of teaching in heaven. I'm not doing sermons in heaven. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> have another fun. Job. But you, but you'll want to. I want to. <laughs> I'll be so jacked. But we won't. But we won't. We won't need a lot of things in heaven. That's right. Because everything we will know in full. So it really a continuous believes that the gifts are still happening. A cessationist believes the sign gifts are done because the word's complete. Okay. So where is Mariners? We are not cessationists. So Mariners has not been, and we are not cessationists. So we 
We believe that all of the gifts that you see in the scripture are still operational. And it's not only because our, our interpretation of that passage, though that's for sure the scripture's primary for us. But really when we go around the, um, the globe, we see it's, it's really hard in my mind to be a cessationist if you travel, travel globally and see the global church at work because you are, we are seeing miracles in South Asia. One of the ways the gospel goes forth is because our church partners train their pastors to go into a village and pray for a miracle because they worship thousands of gods in South Asia. And when Jesus steps in and does a miracle, the people in the town will believe. I just had a fascinating conversation in, in Egypt with Nader, who is the uh, son of Pastor Same. In Egypt, he was my translator, genius guy, theologically trained, went to an amazing seminary here in the States. It's a seminary that is a cessationist. And his professor, so he, he basically wrote a paper on how can I, I'm at a cessationist seminary, but here are miracles I've seen in Egypt. And that professor said, you have given a great case. I am a cessationist in context where the gospel's already gone. So he's like a parcel. His professor was like a parcel, partial cessationist. But basically in places like Egypt, where the gospel's going to groups of people who've never yet heard, I, I guess I could be open, you know. So, so that, that was kind of his. I had a seminary professor who was a cessationalist, went to overseas, partnered with other ministries and changed his mind because really god see that's what i'm saying around the globe you see god yes god working in miraculous ways so if you're listening to and you are listening you're listening to the podcast as you listen to the sermon series understand we are not teaching i need a miracle from a, a cessationist viewpoint which would say that the sign gifts are are non-existent anymore we believe that Jesus still works in miraculous ways and that all the gifts are still are still operational. Do we have respect for cessationists? We do. Hopefully, if you're a cessationist listening, you did not feel like I set up a straw man and tore you apart. Uh, we, we believe that cessationists believe in the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to bring them new life. They believe in the supernatural work of God to keep the scripture. They believe in the supernatural work of God to bring creation about. They believe in the cross, the resurrection. They believe in the miraculous in that way. They just believe that once the word is complete, that those gifts are no longer necessary. And if you're a cessationalist listening, is it a cessationalist or cessationalist? Both. I just spoke in talks right now. <laughs> <laughs> we are continuationalists after all. Clearly, I'm a continuationalist. <laughs> but it, it's fine. It, Who wants to cut that part? <laughs> I was joking. We can keep that part. <laughs> if you're a cessationalist listening... I think the invitation as someone who once really wrestled with that position and thought, man, this is kind of convincing from a biblical standpoint. I was once there. You were once. I, I thought it was really convincing at one point. Okay. I think the invitation is, could we, as we search the scriptures, could we open our hands and our hearts to say, God, God lead me. Like, show me. And, and not a overly skeptical, hey, demons can also re replicate, you know, the miracles too. Um, like, can we have an open posture of God? Will you show me? Right, that's good. Yeah. Let's give a challenge to the continuous then. Yeah. So what 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 would be um, the challenge that that the continuous would need to hear? Yeah, I think the challenge and the invitation would be if God 
if God does not do the miracle, is the revealed truth of God still beautiful yes, enough, good. powerful enough for us to hold on to that in the darkness, in the storm, when he doesn't calm the storm, that's right. is he still king and, and Lord as taught in Matthew? That's right. Is he still king and Lord? Is he still king even when he doesn't do the miracle? And also I would say the challenge we have to hold to, and, and so we, Mariners is not a cessation, so we're continuous, meaning we believe all the gifts are still operational. All of that must be in submission to the word of God. Amen. So he never speaks outside in a way that contradicts the scripture. He's never gonna he's never gonna lead you in a way that is contrary to what his revealed word says. We all we submit, and one of our chief values here is the word must be central. And so we submit all to we know he has spoken in the word. So someone someone comes to me and says, Eric, I, th- I think I have a word for you from God. Um, maybe. I'll I'll hear it. In fact, in Egypt, I had two two different people come and say a really strong, powerful, like Eric, I really feel God wants me to tell you this. And these were from trusted and respected leaders. And I receive it and I they were very encouraging and affirming. I want those words to be true. But I must submit those to to what the scripture says because that I know. Yes. That I know. Eric, for someone listening who's saying, Hey, I've had that happen to me once. How do you test it with scripture? Like, what does that exactly mean? So let's say someone yeah. gets a word from someone else in our church. What would be the counsel you would give to that person for? Here's how you can receive it, own it, pray through it, but also have scripture be central. That's great. It's a great question. And I want to give an answer to both the person who who gives the word to someone and the person who receives it. So the person who gives the word, I think you have to say, Hey, I, I I have this sense. I don't. I you should pray through this. You should test this. Even as you share with someone, re- hold your word as less. That's good. As less than his word. You know, um, encourage the person to read the scripture, to um, to test what you're saying against what God has already spoken. Right. Now to the person who receives. I, what I have found is this will become easier for you the longer you walk with Jesus. Because the longer you walk with Jesus, the more word you know, the more the more you have seen in your life how he's spoken over time. And so for me, I just because I've I've now walked with Jesus for a good run, I I've had this experience happen where someone has given a word and I've learned to thank the person. I mean, the person cares for me. The person wants to to share something that they believe God nudged them to tell me. Thank the person. Um, immediately as I'm back in my room or at my my house, I'm praying and asking God to bring scriptures to my mind. And I know the word. I know the word. I've done the work. I've spent lots of time in the word. And because I know the word, there there are passages that will come to my mind that I believe the spirit will bring to my mind that either confirm uh, or don't confirm what was shared with me. And then also um, even confirms how my attitude should be when I receive it. So someone gives me a really encouraging word. I need to, how I interpret what I should do, I need to be sure is submit, submissive to the Spirit. It was really interesting because I just had this happen and my daughter Evie, who's 13, was was with me. So she heard of people saying things over her dad 
that were for her like powerful and inspirational. So we're laying back in the, we're going to sleep that night in the hotel room and she's like, dad, what, uh, what, what, what do you think? What do you do? And like one of, one of them was, um, about like how her dad was going to be used by God. And, and so she's like, dad, I want you to do everything that God wants you to do. I'm like, oh, you're so sweet girl. And she said, so what are you going to do? I said, I said, dad, just praying right now about what I'm just, just, there's no rush. I'm just listening. We have time. There's no rush. I'm just listening to what God's saying to me and what, and I respect everyone who spoke to me. Um, and she said, dad, I, I just want you to feel free to do anything that God wants you to do. And I said, listen, what I know he wants me to do is be your dad. She said, I don't want you to feel limited. I said, I don't feel limited by you. She was, she, she was hearing me say, I want to, I don't know if I want to do all these things that God's call, you know, God's calling me to do because I'm trying to be your dad. I said, no, listen, there's a, there's a lot of other people in the world that God can use to do other things, but there's one person that he wants to be your dad. One, one dad, (laughs) you got one dad and I'm your, I'm your dad. So I'm, I'm interpreting all the things that have been spoken to me through the lens of however long Jesus leaves me in this world. I can do other things later, but I got five years left before you graduate high school where I'm your dad. And so whatever someone spoke over me, it's never going to contradict my calling to be your dad. Which that calling is affirmed in the scripture. Exactly. So, you you know, like I don't need to hear someone say these encouraging words to me and think it means neglect my family, go do all these things for God. Um, I hear them through. I know I have a firm calling, which is first to be a godly man, a godly husband, a godly dad. I receive everything that was said to me, but I, I receive it through the lens of what he's already made clear in Scripture. His spirit and his word will never contradict. That's right. That's right. I'm thinking about as we're going through this series and hearing about the miracles that Jesus has done in people's lives, and I think we're going to do a lot of storytelling of even miracles that have happened within our church. And I'm praying and believing that people's faith is going to be bolstered to believe for those miracles in their own lives and their friends, their families. And there will be people who are wrestling with disappointment right now. Totally. Who are grieving that the miracle hasn't happened, you know, or maybe they're still full of faith, but the miracle still hasn't happened. What would you guys say to them? How do we encourage them? What, how, how would you shepherd them through that? The woman was bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. And she, I mean, how many doctor's appointments? How many prayer meetings that didn't, in her mind, work? 12 years. That, I mean, you're, that's a long, long time. And she's, in desperation is reaching out and touching Jesus as he walks by. So you keep reaching out and touching Jesus in the middle of disappointment, in the middle of struggle. And if the miracle doesn't happen, you you still have the greatest miracle because you get Jesus, because you still get to touch Jesus. I was just thinking that woman who waited 12 years, she then watched that man Jesus climb on a cross right and be crucified for her sins so so in her heart she could have known even had he not healed me 
it wasn't for a lack of compassion. Right. It wasn't for a lack of desire. Like God is never holding out on me. I mean, he gave me his son. Yeah. And so in the midst of the wrestling, holding on to the fact that he's not, he's, he's not trying to withhold. He's not being stingy. He's not being stingy. I see the cross. I see the cross. I see the crucified Jesus. Yeah. I think it will bolster our faith and help us and encourage us in that journey yeah. as well. The miracle, the greater miracle has already happened to the right. person who's struggling, that they have faith, that they've received forgiveness. The greater miracle has already happened. Amen. I mean, the earthly miracles, all of, here's the thing, all four of those miracles that we just read about, the the 12-year-old girl later died. The woman who was healed from bleeding later died. The, the two mute people or the two blind people later could not physically see any longer as they died. The former demon-possessed man later who was mute later could not speak in this world as he died. So all, all miracles here are temporary. They're temporary. The greatest miracle of all is eternal and everlasting because you are with him forevermore. The greatest miracle has already happened if you have believed. So I'm so sorry if the miracle hasn't happened. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I am sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I will pray that God will do the supernatural but he's already done the greatest supernatural. Amen. You will be with him forevermore. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for joining us today on the If I Had More Time podcast hosted by Mariners Church. We hope to see you next weekend at any of our congregations across Southern California or online. To view our service times at each congregation, be sure to check out our website at marinerschurch.org.